Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is fully funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our winter edition of It's Time For You. With over 65,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. Lameness manifests in many different forms and causes significant economic and welfare issues for the sheep industry. There are many different causes of lameness, including foot rot, arthritis and abscesses. In this episode of It's Time For You, I have invited Associate Professor Om Dongul to share with us his extensive knowledge of the topic. Om is a Principal Research Fellow at the University of Sydney. After completion of an undergraduate degree in veterinary science from the Kerala Agricultural University in India, Om worked as a regional and zonal veterinary officer in his home country, Bhutan, for five years. Om was awarded an FAO fellowship to undertake postgraduate studies at the University of Sydney. On completion of these studies, he joined the Foot Rot Research Group under Professor John Edgerton at the University of Sydney and worked on an ACIAR-funded project on foot rot in sheep and goats in Nepal. He successfully made a recombinant DNA foot rot vaccine, which has been used to control and eliminate endemic foot rot in this country. He has also worked on a similar project in Bhutan and other foot rot projects and research collaborations in India, China and Malaysia. He has been a key member of the research team looking at various aspects of foot rot research with special expertise in vaccine development and a member of the foot rot vaccine patent holder for the University of Sydney. Through his long-term leading research work, Om has developed extensive collaboration research partnerships with Monash University, industry bodies such as Meat and Livestock Australia and Australian Wool Innovation and the Australian State Departments of Agriculture and Primary Industries. He's a member of the Foot Rot Technical Advisory Committee and has also worked with Ovignoni's Disease Research. Currently, the Associate Professor leading the Foot Rot Research Team at Sydney Uni and also teaching Sheep Health to Animal Science and DVM students at the School of Veterinary Science. Currently, OM also has international collaborations with New Zealand, the Netherlands and Uruguay. Applied research has always been his focus and he has a passion for improving animal health and welfare and helping farmers in dealing with these issues. Welcome, OM, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Thank you very much, Fiona. OM, lameness is a problem in sheep worldwide. What's the prevalence of lameness in Australia? that's a good question, Fiona. Uh, we don't. I mean, we know it is a common uh, problem, but the uh, pro- problem is we don't know exactly what proportion of animals are lame. And uh, the figure, uh, in fact, uh, we know the economic uh, economic um, impact, but in terms of num- uh, prevalence, uh, we don't really have the exact numbers because 
foot rot has been sort of uh, sort of a disease which is uh, under regulation so not many people would like to admit that they have foot rot and there are different forms of course which is obvious that makes it difficult to estimate and um, in terms of economic impact the new south Wales alone uh, on figures from 2015 it affects 40, uh, the, the economic loss is uh, $40 million per year. So yeah. it is it is a significant loss, but sadly we don't know the actual figure of lameness numbers in different states or in Australia as a whole. It is definitely a significant loss to producers. Um, there are many different causes of lameness. What, um, what are the main causes of lameness? Uh, main lameness causes, especially in Australia, uh, is number one is foot rot, definitely, and the the other one is foot abscess, uh, um, and foot abscess, um, and both are bacterial diseases. Uh, foot rot is caused by Diculobacter nodosus, which is an anaerobic bacteria, and it survives only in the hoof of the or the foot of the animals, um, sheep and goats mostly, but it it can be found in other animals as well. And uh, foot abscess is a mixed bacterial infection. Again, different bacteria are involved. Um, and uh, that's that's the cause. And arthritis, again, is mixed mixed infection, which is uh, another cause of lameness, mostly, most commonly seen in lambs. Let's start with arthritis and we'll have a little chat a little later in the podcast about abscesses and foot rot. With arthritis, what are the common causes of the disease? What type of animals do we see arthritis developing? Arthritis is most commonly seen in young lambs and that's mostly to do with the after and you see them after the um, marking procedures because uh, the most common cause of infection uh, for arthritis is through the uh, cuts and wounds of uh, marking procedures. And uh, if we don't follow the hygienic procedures, that's, that's uh, really infects the wounds and that uh, bacteria are get, they get into the system and through the blood they get into the joints and that's when they cause damage to the joints uh, of the legs and uh, cause arthritis in, uh, in lambs. In adult animals, uh, you see lameness after the shearing cuts as well through this. Again, it's the same process. Infection through of the bacteria happens through the cut wounds. Um, and uh, that's why shearing um, equipments have to be uh, sort of sterilized or uh, used uh, with, along with the uh, what do you call it? antiseptic procedures? So that's why it's uh, sort of promoted, and it, it's, it really helps to uh, improve the hygiene and uh, antiseptic procedures to prevent uh, these infections. And the other um, source of infection for uh, adult animals is um, is uh, what do you call it? dipping uh, for uh, external parasites, lice mostly. And uh, again. Uh, if they are freshly shown, they've cut wounds and they are put through uh, dipping uh, for lies, um, that, that's a source of infection. So that's why you need to include and you need to change that uh, uh, solution or the dipping uh, solution and uh, keep it hygienic as well in that place as well so that the bacterial uh, infection doesn't happen through that source.
So those are the main causes. And again, um, hygiene is very important on all those procedures to prevent uh, arthritis. And um, for arthritis, how does arthritis present? Is it just lameness or are there other symptoms which distinguish it? Uh, swollen joints, mostly. And they, once uh, the joints are affected and if it's a bit too late for treatment, they, they remain really deformed and enlarged or uh, the leg become bent. And uh, yeah, the, you, you really lose the conformation of the of the animals, uh, and especially if the young lambs are affected, and uh, that once the deformity is there, as it's formed by arthritic lesions, that will remain forever. So, yeah. It's, and it's, you just mentioned that. Sorry, you just mentioned yeah. then um, that you you've got to have treatment early. Is it that they can't be too late for treatment? So, is it effective you if you can get it early? Yeah, you can. I mean, if if, if I mean. Uh, that's one of the drawbacks in animal health is by the time we find out, and especially in our context when we are dealing with large number of animals, is detecting early enough signs of arthritis or inflammation. If we could detect early with signs of inflammation, you could treat with antibiotics and it works well. But by the time you find out, by the time you see them lame, it's, it might be a bit too late to treat. Okay, and how do, if we move on to foot abscesses now, how do they differ? Uh, foot abscesses, again, in, in some ways it's similar. The infection happens through the cut wounds or any injury on the leg. And uh, that leads into, I mean, uh, injury um, gives the opportunity for uh, all the bacteria on the foot, which is normal flora of the foot gets the opportunity to get into the joints and then cause uh, inflammation and then abscess um, and pus formation and again joints once the joints are involved uh, with abscess as well it becomes really severe and um, once the joints are damaged uh, there's not not much treatment for for that as well if it doesn't get into the joints, the foot abscess, can it be treated with antibiotics? Yeah, you can. I mean, if it's sort of external, um, in, in some cases you do see sort of not invo uh, involving joints. But in most cases, if it's severe, it ends up being uh, getting into the joints. And when it gets to the joint, uh, joints, it, it is difficult, but if it is just uh, not involving joint, you can treat them. Of course, for joint lesions as well, uh, to reduce the severity of it, uh, you can treat them. You can drain them out, uh, remove the pus, and do antibiotic, give antibiotic treatment or antiseptic treatment for local healing. So that, that helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned in the extensive introduction because you've certainly done an awful lot of work, but foot rot's one area that you certainly specialise in. So we'll um, probably just spend the rest of the podcast talking about foot rot now, because as you mentioned, it is the major cause of lameness in sheep in Australia. Yeah. And when I think of foot rot, we, it, we also think of interdigital dermatitis. How do the two um, and benign foot rot, are they similar? How do they differ? In fact, uh, it is hard to differentiate. I mean, interdigital dermatitis is a general term for any 
uh, interdigital inflammation or lesion in the in the skin area. And with food rot, initial lesion is exactly the same. So you can't really um, say this or unless you do microbiological culture lab test and prove that there's no food rot bacteria there. Uh, it might be just, you, you can call it a uh, I mean, mixed bacterial infection causing interdigital dermatitis. But it is exactly the same type of lesion you get uh, both in benign food rot and interdigital dermatitis. And virulent food rot starts the same way as well. The only difference with the virulent food rot, it, it, it progresses into severe underrunning lesion onto the hoof and cause damage to the hoof uh, rather than the interdigital spaces only. So it's a sort of a uh, really quite common uh, similar lesion and you cannot clearly distinguish between uh, benign food unless you test them in the lab. The bacteria that causes the different types of foot rot, the bacteria, sorry, I should say, what sort of conditions, environmental conditions, suit their development? Uh, most important is the moisture uh, in the pasture, and and temperature as well plays a significant role because uh, what happens is uh, the skin in between the digit uh, uh, of the foot of animals has to be macerated, we call it moisture maceration, or make it conducive for the bacteria to get into. Because if it's dry skin, they can't get in. So uh, that moisture is very important and it should be warm enough. Sort of moist, warm conditions really makes it ideal for the skin to get damaged and the bacteria get the opportunity to get in and take hold of uh, uh, the infection. So temperature and moisture is, is really critical. And if the animal is susceptible, again, of course, it depends on the immune system of the animal as well. But especially merinos in our case, they are really susceptible. And when the conditions are ideal and bacteria is prevalent within the flock, then they can spread so quickly in that and ideal condition. Sorry. Um, um, yep. Can the bacteria survive in the soil or does it just survive in the animal? Uh, it, it, I mean, um, we, we, I mean, up to 10 days, we say, and two weeks uh, is enough to kill if it's in the environment. Of course, if you have animals, infected animals put on pasta and there will be bacteria said in the pasta through contact, there would be, they would be alive for a few days. And even people have tested uh, the soil and uh, you don't, in Australian conditions, uh, they don't survive for more than two weeks. But on the foot of the animal, and it's mostly the hoof or the interdigital space area, they seem to survive somehow, even in dry conditions, once infected, they seem to survive for a long time. Even if it, without obvious signs of disease, they can, I mean, they wait for the ideal condition to express the disease, but as carriers, silent carriers of the bacteria, they can carry for a long time. It's a very clever little bacteria that causes <laughs> foot rot. <laughs> it is very clever and it's, it avoids the blood system. It doesn't come in contact with blood system. 
and you can't see LLEs and still it seems to survive somehow. We can't really clearly see that, but it, it's, it's really clever. <laughs> Um, um, is foot rot a problem just in sheep or can we get the same bacteria foot, causing foot rot in other animals? And then if so, do they have the capacity to spread it to sheep? Uh, mainly you see in sheep because we have a lot more sheep, but in goats in other countries in Nepal, uh, sheep and goats are equal numbers and in fact in some flocks you can get more goats and um, disease was equally bad. And here as well, you do see food rot in goats. Um, uh, and so sheep and goats are mostly affected. Deer can get, but they don't get as bad and they can carry. Cattle can carry, but they can be physical carriers. They get really, even with the worst food rot in sheep, the same strain causes really mild lesions in cattle. And so you, they don't see, they don't show any lameness. They can keep, they can be sort of physical carriers. So when you are thinking of eradicating or eliminating the disease in, from the flock, you have to think about those animals around the place. Even like feral goats is, is one issue. I mean, luckily feral goats are more in dry areas. So probably they, they don't have food rot as much, but if they are in wet areas where there is food rot as well, and they can be good source of infection, carriers of infection. Certainly something to bear in mind. Um, yeah. When we're looking at a clinical diagnosis on farm, how do we go about making one? The uh, main thing is uh, inspecting enough animals. I mean, if you see some lame animals, inspect, I mean, if you not all mobs within a flock, because they are different in different types of passes, different mobs of animals, depending on the age and um, the management conditions, so uh, like breeding ewes with lambs are uh, kept in really good pastures, and they would be the most likely ones who would, which would be affected in the, that particular farm. So inspect enough animals, enough feed to make a proper diagnosis. I mean, it might be in the initial stages, like it, it could be just starting with integral dermatitis or benign sort of lesions, but uh, if you see only that type of lesions, you can't, with one inspection, you can't say, oh, it's only benign for or, or integral dermatitis. You have to go back uh, after two weeks or two to three weeks and then inspect again. Have they progressed? If it is a really bad strain of food rot, if it's progressing into virulent by then, by two weeks, in the ideal conditions, of course, again, uh, it will really take over and hoof damage will be obvious and lesions will be very severe. So if they have progressed, uh, then uh, you know it is virulent for rot. But if you have, even in ideal conditions, they have remained at the interdigital space and there is not much lameness. You can see the lesions, but not much lameness. Uh, with the best of conditions, then you know it is not a virulent for rot case. So it, it, it to differentiate between benign and virulent food rot, it's the number of severe lesions within the affected animals, what counts clinically. And in some cases, it might be just borderline. I mean, they say um, in New South Wales, less than 5% animals with severe lesions, which is underrunning lesions or hoof damage. Uh, but in sometimes you, you see maybe four to five percent and it's really a little bit difficult and because it involves quarantine uh, 
legislative quarantine requirement for the vets to implement, uh, they would, it would be advisable to go for lab test as well to supplement your diagnosis because you don't want to impose quarantine if it's not severe enough or it's not virulent because that will impose really significant economic uh, hardship for the farmers. Mm, absolutely. And how important is it though, to do those lab tests? Um, are there a lot of different strains involved and do those lab tests help isolate the strains that you might have on your farm? Uh, you test for virulence uh, in those isolates. Uh, so uh, it, again, no test is 100%. It's a supplementary diagnosis. So you can't be 100%, but the test we use uh, which is known as the last test test, uh, looking at the protease. Virulence depends on the protease enzyme they produce, bacteria produces. So depending on how clearly they can digest those elastin particles, you can distinguish. And the test we have, um, we use in New South Wales and mostly in Australia, is elastase test. And that's more reliable and it sort of reflects the clinical lesion as well in the field. It's not 100%, but still, that's the closest closest you can get or or more uh, reliable test compared to a lot of other tests. And um, does the vaccination, which is part of the treatment, does it deal with all the different strains of bacteria? Uh, yeah, but you need to, the more severe, it seems to respond better. Um, severe form of treatment, I mean, even severe virulent form of treatment, uh, sorry, foot rot, uh, seems to respond to treatment much better and quicker than really the mild forms. Um, so same with vaccine uh, and all, in fact, our focus in research as well and uh, in the control program as well in the field has been to eliminate the virulent forms of foot rot. And uh, vaccine really works if you target what strains you have in the farm in that outbreak, because every farm could be slightly different different strains. So that's why it is a little bit complex in terms of vaccine use as well. It's not a universal vaccine. The universal vaccine which is produced in Australia, in New Zealand and marketed here as well now. Um, has got all the different strains, but as I said uh, in the, the previous talk, that the response to that vaccine is really quite low and it's a really, um, you get control only, you can't really eliminate the disease. Um, as a control measure, it, it is effective, but it's a short-term control. Whereas if you target the strains in your farm uh, with one or two strains at a time, um, response is much better, much longer, and that really helps to eliminate the disease. And how long are we talking to eradicate foot rot on, on an individual farm? Uh, with the traditional method, uh, I mean, if you really diligently apply the techniques, whatever treatment, culling, non-responders, uh, with the traditional method of foot bath, inspection, foot trimming, antibiotic treatment to non-responders. Um, people have been able to eliminate the disease within two, because you have to give two seasons um, to make sure that you have really eliminated the worst form of foot rot. So two years would be the 
I'd say, the minimum time to really get out of the quarantine once you are put it under quarantine. But some farms take much longer. It depends on how much effort you put in and how diligently you apply all those methods. Because if you miss one or two animals, you might treat everything else, but one or two animals will bring it back again. They might be silent carriers. So the more you inspect, the more you cull the likely cases, the better. Yeah, certainly but, very tricky. Um, yeah, it is. Sorry. That's why we, we, I mean, even despite all this research and effort we have put in, uh, we are still living with food rot. Obviously, we have made a significant impact, especially in New South Wales, um, because of the programs in the field. It has really worked. But now with the season, those carriers are with the good season for food rot and good season for grass, which is, um, we are seeing uh, more cases now. So it's, it's, it's really hard to eliminate completely. And some farms might be freer, but they can always, there's option when they buy animals, they might uh, annoyingly bring the disease in. So it's, it's always the challenge. So in this case, um, prevention is going to be much better than the cure when it comes to foot rot. What good biosecurity practices would you recommend to farmers? Quarantine, buying clean animals as far as possible, inspecting before buying, inspecting on arrival, quarantine them for at least um, four to six weeks in your farm itself, put them in a separate paddock. If they are carriers, if you put them in good passes, don't treat them when you, and some people think, oh yeah, I'll treat them before they are unloaded or as they are unloaded from the truck. But if they, have, they are carriers, you are not giving them the opportunity to, to express and that treatment, that foot bath may not really eliminate, help much. In fact, it will hide. And when you put them in your, uh, with your animals, it will express. So it will be a bit too late by the time when you find out. So always, uh, quarantine the animals you buy in your farm in a really good quarantine and follow the biosecurity processes. Excellent. Thank you very much, Om, for joining us on It's Time For You and sharing your extensive knowledge on foot rot, especially with our listeners. Thank you very much, Fiona, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my experiences. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to help anyone or whatever knowledge I have or uh, experience I have I'm happy to share with anyone so feel free to contact me if you if you think uh, I can be of any we hope you have enjoyed this episode of it's time for you the sheep connect new south wales podcast we'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks and if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.